0: Welcome back to the fundmonitors.com Meet the Manager series. Today, I'm joined by Rob Hay, the Head of Distribution and Investor Relations at Collins Street Asset Management. The Collins Street Value Fund is an index unaware fund that seeks to create strong investment returns over medium to long term with capital preservation a priority. The fund has performed very strongly versus the ASX 200 Total Return Index, outperforming by over 7% per annum since inception. Rob, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me along. Rob, despite the end of JobKeeper and the odd snap uh, COVID lockdown, consumer sentiment and business activity are up and uh, unemployment is falling. Uh, how do you think this plays out for interest rates going forward? And, and are the Reserve Bank estimates too cautious regarding interest rates?
1: Certainly been great to see an uptick in economic recovery uh, across the board in Australia, certainly with the Victoria opening back up and border restrictions easing around the country. We've seen a lot more travel, an uptick in consumer confidence, as you rightly point out. And naturally, this should be a very strong tailwind for spending and for economic growth moving forward. In terms of what this all means for interest rates, like the the answer to most things, Damon, I suspect, is that it depends. We've certainly seen a lot of stimulus being thrown around, but the sequencing and timing of a range of government spending on infrastructure projects in particular will be key in seeing how this inflation thematic plays out here in Australia. Naturally, with infrastructure projects, when they begin, there's a lot of white collar labor that goes into it, project management, design and the like. And it's not until construction really begins that you see that enormous multiplier effect on the economy, wage inflation start to creep in and the like. So certainly the sequencing and timing of that will be important. Alongside that, low interest rates are certainly a boom for investors, people looking to expand their property portfolio, their small business, even for large corporates to engage in various forms of activity, be it mergers and acquisitions and the like. What will be really key to understanding this and how it plays out though, is the environment we're in from a credit perspective. The banks have all come off the back of a large Royal Commission where responsible lending standards in particular have been subject to a great deal of scrutiny and focus. So yes, we do have low interest rates, but if the ability to access that credit for a large section of the population or the business community in particular, especially those who perhaps were wiped out or severely impacted by COVID and don't meet the usual credit metrics that banks might like to see, then we could see that not having the same tailwind effect as what we may have done historically. My gut fear Putting all of this together is that it is a little bit optimistic to expect interest rates to stay where they are throughout until 2024. But as I say, there's a lot of balls in the air to be juggled and time will tell.
0: Well, commentators on markets uh, now have been talking for a while about the rotation of value, and uh, Colin Street's a value manager. Um, But clearly, um, based on your performance, you've done very well across both what would be traditionally known as value and growth cycles. Um, Can you tell us a bit about how your approach differs from the sort of standard old ideal of buying companies worth a dollar trading at 50 cents?
2: Well, certainly, Damon, where we can find those ideas worth a dollar trading at 50 cents, we're very interested to find those and to take a position in them. But I think a large part of our difference is in our investment mandate. At the Collins Street Value Fund, we focus on absolute value, and absolute returns. So just because something is trading cheap relative to the market as a whole, doesn't necessarily mean it will be cheap for our metrics. As the old saying goes, you can't eat relative returns. And so for us, capital preservation has to come first. And that will mean bypassing a lot of ideas that your traditional large cap value managers might get into, purely because the PEs or price to book or any of the other ratios are looking pretty good relative to the market. For us, we have a very deep value approach. So we will look for those companies which are trading on price-to-earnings multiples, typically less than 10. We'll be looking for companies with very low levels of debt, typically debt-to-equity ratios of less than 30%. Where you can get that price-to-book beneath one, then that's always good as well, uh, alongside good price-to-earnings growth. Importantly though, Damon, where we do find an investment idea that meets these criteria, we will back that with conviction. So again, this is coming back to the absolute value and the absolute return that we can deliver our investors. If we find a compelling idea, we're quite happy to back it with up to 10% positions in the Colon Street Value Fund, regardless of where it might sit in the overall index. So very deep value, very contrarian, and very high conviction in how we go about building out these positions.
0: Rob, uh, how have you gone in those sorts of situations where we've seen those those major sort of rotations has the fund followed that sort of value ideal or as you've said in an absolute return sense have you tended to buck the trend and 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 do well relative to value but also relative to where growth's doing well fundamentally we look at
2: businesses that we like to buy we don't necessarily focus on particular sectors or cycles or those sorts of things across the share market. We will look for good quality businesses which have the balance sheet and the management to withstand whatever the business cycle might throw up at them. So to that end, we will have some very unique and interesting positions in the portfolio. We have roughly 15% of the fund sitting in ASX listed uranium stocks at the moment. We've also taken positions in uh, very unique sectors of the market, such as National Tire and Wheel, which focus on specialised tyre distribution throughout Australia, and also companies which we're also a substantial shareholder in, in the, in the interests of full disclosure, that have been sold off quite aggressively by the market, such as Retail Food Group. And you can put forward an argument that RFG is a cyclical type play in that a lot of their um, a lot of their Restaurants, consumer products and the like are leveraged to shopping centres, reopening, foot traffic, going through malls and those sorts of things. But there are other catalysts into those stocks which make them attractive for us and give us the entry point that we like. Because, Damon, it's very important for us as fund managers to separate out a really great business from a business that we're prepared to pay for. price is what you pay, value is what you get, and you have to be very, very selective.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, looking at at that entry point, um, I think our watchers and listeners would be interested to understand how how does your process identify businesses trading at um, a discount to intrinsic value? Uh, What are some of the key points that you look at when you're assessing stock?
2: Yeah, so when we look at companies, coming back to those key metrics before, we will filter our investment universe based on our own in-house proprietary tools. And we will focus on price to earnings ratios, again, typically less than 10%, but not a hard rule. Your debt to equities uh, of less than 30%, robust price to book, earnings per share growth, those types of things. What is also very important for us, then is that we have a company which has got a great entry point and is actually trading well beneath our valuation and our assessment of intrinsic value. We're all human. Uh, Despite what many of us might like to think, we do get things wrong from time to time. And so we build in additional factors and buffers when working out what our target entry price is. Typically, we will reduce things back by a further 40% to make sure that we have a very, very strong entry point and a very large margin safety when we're taking on board those positions. What we do when we go through and we review the output of our quantitative measures is marry this up against any price-sensitive ASX announcements that come out, and look for a catalyst which has caused one of these stocks to be oversold substantially by the market. So if we come back to Retail Food Group, they've been sold off substantially due to ACCC action against the company, based on the conduct of former management and the relationships that they had with their franchisees. That caused, as I say, the stock to be oversold substantially, And for us, that presented an opportunity to do some deep due diligence, to understand if this stock is genuinely cheap for a reason and if it's something that we should be wary of, or if perhaps emotion and sentiment have driven this stock down to a point where it is very uncomfortable for a lot of people to hold and perhaps not on a lot of other investors' radars for research. And it's where that discomfort lies that we can find opportunity and do research into stocks that others aren't looking at, and then back them with conviction. Now, naturally, Damon, this means we can't be all things to all people. And in our portfolio, we will typically only have eight to 20 positions, which represent our absolute best idea. And where we can't find anything that meets our strict criteria, we'll hold cash. Because again, for us, it's about finding that absolute return rather than something relative to the market.
0: Rob, as always, great to talk to you. Uh, Thanks. For joining me today, and good luck in 2021. Good luck,
2: Damon. All the best to you and the team at AFM.